Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back into another episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Luke Solik, and I'm going to be joined by some lovely people here very shortly. Uh, tonight, we're going to do the show for only 30 minutes, half an hour, because my sister is here with me, and I'm trying to spend some time with family. Uh, apologies for the late shows and, you know, canceling shows and all that. Uh, the next, like, week or so is extremely busy for me. Uh, my family's here visiting me in New York. I work every day. Uh, I move across the country again, and I'm at the Fantasy Football Convention this weekend. So I'm trying to find time to do the show when I can. Uh, apologies for the inconsistent schedule, but I'm trying to find time to provide content to you guys whenever I can. All right, let's just jump right into the show here. Alonzo is here. What's up, Alonzo? He's connecting. Alonzo, unmute yourself, and you're good to go, man. What's up? Oh, hey, Luke. No, I just wanted to come in. What's up, bro? I didn't want to interrupt you. I know you are talking about life and everything. I didn't want to interrupt, but I was just... I just wanted to, I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier about Trey Lance. I feel like I was really in on Trey Lance for a long while this year, and I Don't you dare it. say you're out on it, Alonzo. Don't do it. Okay, hear me out. I feel like Lance is eerily, sim- not, maybe not as super similar, but he reminds me a lot of Hurts. The end of last year, after... For, Alonzo, Alonzo, I'm going to stop you right there, because... Jalen Hurts was amazing for fantasy last But year. I'm talking the, the last 10 weeks of the year. He was amazing, but he was QB 14 in points in total points, QB 10 in points per game. That was sure. when they, you know, when the when the Eagles kind of scaled back throwing and let the run game take over, similar to what I think the 49ers will do this year. That's where Hurts was, and that's where Lance is getting drafted at that area, the QB 9, QB 8, QB 10 range. And I don't know. I feel like Maybe not out, but I'm more cautious now when he's going that high. I feel like Lance is almost pushing the ceiling because we know what Shanahan does. We know Shanahan likes to play that control game, especially with a guy like Lance, who he's not going to trust to air it out right away. I don't know. You don't think he's going to use his legs, though, Alonzo? I think he definitely But Hurts. Finish your point. Finish your point, and I'll I'll go ahead. I I get that, but I mean, like, it's not like Hurts wasn't running last year. I think Lance will run, but how much more? Will he run than what Hertz was doing last year towards the end of last year? And like I said, those last 10 weeks of last year, Hertz was, I mean, he was great year long, but those last 10 weeks after the Lions game, from that game on, Hertz was QB 14 in total points and QB 10 in points per game. Lance would pay off his ADP at that, but I feel like that's like his best look this year would be somewhere around what Hertz was last year. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I love Hurts for a few – sorry, not Hurts. Well, I love Hurts, but Lance more than Hurts. I liked Hurts last year because – well, a few reasons. But first of all, I want to throw your Hurts concerns out the window there for you because Hurts suffered an ankle injury, and then after that, his performance declined. That's why his performance declined. He suffered an ankle injury that, you know, kind of capped his mobility, uh, and he wasn't fully healthy. So that's why his performance went down a little bit. And still, he was the QB 10 points per game, as you said, which is just fine. Uh, Trey Lance is in a much better situation than Jalen Hurts was last season. He has way better weapons in, in San Francisco this season than Jalen Hurts did in Philadelphia last season. Last season in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts had Zach Ertz for half the season, Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith, and a bunch of nobodies. Uh, you know, this year in San Francisco, the 49ers, Trey Lance has uh, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. I mean, those are three really, really talented pass catchers. Um, I think that he has great weapons there. I also don't think we can underestimate Kyle Shanahan just being a good offensive-minded coach and utilizing him in a, in a proper way. 
Um, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't care about real life. You know, I think that Trey Lance is going to be running the ball plenty. And you know, when he yeah. started last year, he I averaged out his carries over a two and a half game sample because that's all I have. Uh, it's a very small sample, but he ran the ball a lot. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I believe it was over. He had 16 in the first game. I believe it was eight, maybe 10 rush attempts in the second. He averaged around eight to nine a game, I believe. Yeah. D- don't quote me on that, but he averaged a lot. And that was more than Jalen Hurts did. That was more than Jalen Hurts did per game. And the thing is, Alonzo, he's a bigger bodied guy than Jalen Hurts. So I think he's going to get more goal line rushing attempt too, uh, which, you know, touchdowns, which is great. Um, I think that Trey Lance is in a really good situation. I feel like he's extremely safe, too. He's not going to bust out. Like, can we both agree on that? Like, there's no yeah. – I don't think there's a future where Trey Lance is outside the top 15 this season. Oh, yeah. No way. I mean, I like, I was drafting a whole bunch of Trey Lance. You know, when he was going around, like, nine, around QB 10, QB 12. When he was going around there, I was taking him every draft. But now he's pushed up to this range where I just feel like there's no – I feel like when I was taking him back there – there was a cushion to what his ceiling is and what he's going to be. Now I feel like it's right. There's, there's a lot less room for caution, so to speak. Yeah. I me. understand what you're saying. I, I I'm still just personally very comfortable with his price because I feel like his ceiling is really high. Right. You know, like when we saw Jalen hurts at his ceiling last year, I mean, he was an absolute monster. Uh, he was a top three quarterback for a while to start the season. And he had the most QB 12, sorry, top 12 finishes on a weekly yeah. basis of any quarterback in fantasy last year. And like I said, I feel better about Trey Lance's situation. And also, Alonzo, I mean, quite frankly, I just feel like he's a better talent than Jalen Hurts in terms of raw, you know, prospect ability. He has a cannon arm. He has a way better arm than Jalen Hurts. I feel like they're equally good, or maybe Jalen Hurts is slightly better as a rusher. But you know what I mean? Like, the physical tools for Lance are off the charts. Um, you know, the passing accuracy numbers are not going to be the best. But for fantasy football, it doesn't really matter. I think his weapons are great. I think he's going to be using his legs enough. And I feel like that he's in for a really nice year. And I feel like he has top five upside. So, you know, at his price... If the guy, like, at worst is, like, the QB 15 and at best is, like, QB 4, uh, I love that. Personally, like, I did a mock draft today and I got him in the ninth round uh, in, in your traditional, re, you know, redraft league settings. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I love him. I'm not concerned because I understand what you're saying. Like, so you think he could be being drafted more towards where he could finish, but there's not really a problem with that, in my opinion, because I feel like he's not that expensive. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I get it. I just, I don't know. I felt like I had that thought with Lance and I wanted someone to, like, counter that and like i wanted to hear that so i appreciate you just giving me that that perspective of it because i had that thought yeah for sure man you know i'm a big lance fan so yeah i love lance i think he's in for a huge year he's definitely one of my favorite players in fantasy football this year one of the guys that like my name is attached to the most i'm very very confident in his ability to produce fantasy points this year uh you know he averaged about 20 points per game in his starts last season as well which is excellent for fantasy quarterbacks i don't know i'm just a big fan of his and i feel like he's he showed us enough already to for me to fully believe in him as a fantasy football quarterback with the physical tools, what we saw from him last year and, you know, everything in San Francisco combined in the situation. Uh, I think he's in for a really solid year with the 49ers to start off his career as a starting quarterback. I would hope so. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. I had one more, but I know you have time. So no, go ahead, go ahead real quick. and We'll we'll toss it over to you. Yeah. We'll toss it over to the fantasy formula right after that. All right. Well, I just want, I don't know. I tweeted it yesterday about, Travis, I want to ask just a straight question. It's just who, if you were to pick between ETN at where he goes and Swift at where he is, I feel like they're super similar. Like I feel like that's almost the same player. And I just wonder, I mean, who would you rather have in a league if, if you if um, you pick for me? I feel like ETN. you could. I feel like you could compare their skill sets in terms of like their elite receiving ability. Um, but I feel like Swift's a better runner of the football. And the thing that I I feel like I feel a lot better about Swift this year 
is I feel like his groundwork is a lot more secure. I feel like that, uh, you know, I love Travis Etienne. Let me preface that. Yeah, I think yeah. he has a really high ceiling because he can see a lot of passing, uh, pass catching opportunities. What's up, Spence? What's up, bro? Um, but I think James Robinson, you know, he's still there in Jacksonville, and I feel like he's still a very good runner. If he's healthy, he's going to have a solid role in this team. I don't think he's that healthy coming off the Achilles injury. Yeah, so, I mean, I project Travis Etienne to have a nice year. Uh, I do agree, you know, Swift and Etienne are both really good pass catchers, and that's where they're going to, you know, get their bread and butter in terms of fantasy scoring. Um, but, you know, I just personally feel like DeAndre Swift is a lot safer. Uh, he showed a lot more already in his career. You know, last season he was great to start the season in points per game before, you know, getting a little banged up. I, I personally just – I love DeAndre Swift. I have him as my RB, I think, 9 right now or 8, and I think Etienne's my RB 14 or 15. So, I mean, there's a definitely a bit of a difference there in my opinion because – I just don't think that ETN's rushing work is that safe. And, you know, we also just haven't seen him do it yet in the NFL. Yeah. I think he's going to, right? It's pretty safe. Yeah, you believe that. in it. But I think, it's gonna, I think it's going to happen, but we still haven't seen it, and we've seen it from Swift. That's fair. All right. I appreciate it, Luke. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming through, Alonzo. Have Anytime. a good one, bro. Thank you. All right, uh, Fantasy Formula, what's up, bro? How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing great, bro. What's up? So the first part was actually to touch on that Trey Lance conversation. Then I had a question myself. Let's, yeah, go ahead. Oh. So this is coming from someone that originally, like straight off the cuff, I was not in on Trey Lance. Um, I think that's kind of important context to provide. It was just like, sure. I hadn't done a whole lot of research on it, but he's a guy, obviously, you know, he doesn't have the the passing ability you love in an NFL quarterback. And I think people really take for granted, like, the other things like we're saying it's always like this konami code thing um and jalen hurts is the reason why i have completely swapped on him and even justin fields to an extent attaboy uh, i that's because... something I, not to interrupt you i apologize but no, just real good. quick the one thing i always want to say to people what i'm talking about trey lance is i feel like a lot of the same people who didn't like trey lance or sorry don't like trey lance i just don't understand how people don't after we saw jalen hurts last season because it's pretty much just trey lance reincarnated yeah, because like I was Hurts looking at Jalen Hurts and like looking at his strict passing stats, his his stats compared most closely to Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, and Baker Mayfield, and it's like that's not that's not good. We don't like that. Like he's averaging like one touchdown a game. He's twentieth and twenty fifth in yards and and all and like all this stuff. So that's not good. But yet he's still a back end QB one because of what he did on the ground. So it's that with like you were saying, he had Devontae Smith as a rookie wide receiver who was talented, but that doesn't compare to Debo Samuel, who's, you know, top five wide receiver in the game. You have George Kittle, top five tight end of the game. And Mike Shanahan, who just literally like schemes the ball into people's hands. So um, I, even regardless of what you think, I think he could even improve on what Jalen Hurts did from a passing sense and the rushing ability. Even if you want to call it a wash, like that sticks him back in, QB one with that upside, like you were saying. And so after doing a deeper dive on Jalen hurts, I was like, wait a second, this applies to these other two guys as well. Um, and it, Justin feels, I haven't done a, a huge dive on. I did like him in the college. Reason, and I think the reason I got a short end of the stick last year with, with coaching and stuff like that. But yes, I totally agree with you. I just want to say real quick. I do love Konami code quarterbacks. I love guys who run the football a lot. That being said, I'm not that in on fields just because I feel like his weapons are absolutely abysmal. And, you know, I feel like that caps the ceiling a lot. I mean, it is baked into his price, right? But Is it, is it not semi-similar to Hurts, though? Like, you have that one wide receiver you can look at. You have that big body no, tight end. No, I don't like... think 
I don't think it is because I feel like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are a lot worse than Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith, personally. They're not as good, but it, I would say it's still in the realm of possibilities that this guy can jump his ADP just because people thought he was way worse based sure. on... Sure. Like, I have him ranked above ADP as well. I just don't love yeah. him, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. And that, I think that's a thing, too, that, that you kind of have to think about is we look at this, like, ADP game of, hey, this guy's going to outvalue his ADP, but it's still not worth it, where Trey Lance is, like, that that beautiful midpoint between Hertz, who has overall QB1 in his range of outcomes, and then Lance is, like, right behind him, but you're getting him rounds later. Um, Fields is, is too far down that if it's a super flex, like, I'm fine with it, but for, for one QB, I think it's a little too far down to, like, take that risk of him, you know, putting up those numbers. But it was just something interesting because I was like, if you're telling me that, you know, Jared Goff's out there slinging, but this guy's still going to be a, a QB nine at the end of the year, like that, that's crazy. That's why we love uh, Konami code or heavy rushing quarterbacks in fantasy football. They're a cheat code. And it doesn't matter if they're good in real life. The greatest example of that is Taysom Hill was good for fantasy football when he was a starting quarterback. And so was Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was the QB 18 in points per game last year for fantasy. While he's like a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. It's just the way fantasy scoring works. It's broken, and Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts are animals. That's the thing you should take away from this. So I had right. an unrelated question, unless you want to talk. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So this uh, this points per game thing that that's big in the industry to look at versus end of year finish, right? It's definitely completely swamped. It we only do points per game, etc. My question is, do you find any? kind of um, situations where you wouldn't utilize that. Because I think in fantasy football, one of the, the bigger abilities is durability, specifically for running backs. So like for last year, if you're talking about guys that were all going in the same area, you could have taken Derrick Henry, you could have taken Christian McCaffrey, you could have taken Ezekiel Elliott. Two of those guys, well, Derrick Henry finished number one in points per game, um, but he found out after half, half of the season. Christian McCaffrey was like, sixth or seventh I think and he played seven games and then you have Zeke who was like 12th or 13th I believe and he finished as the overall RB6 but do you think in in that sense there's more value getting the guy even if he's giving you a few less points per game but he's going to give it to you for all 16 versus like hey I got 23 points a game out of Derrick Henry but halfway through the year I had to figure something else out can I take this one Luke yeah go ahead Spence go ahead yeah, so if you, can you tell me who's going to be hurt this year? Like before no, but I draft? There's, I mean, obviously not. No, but no, you, no. I'm not, trying guys. To, I'm not trying to yank your chain. I'm genuinely asking, like, like, do you think that you have an advantage when you're drafting about who might get injured or who might not? I mean, I think to an extent, yeah. Well, I think if you if you think you have that ability, then doing what you want to do is totally fine. That's the great thing about fantasy is you get to you get to draft how you want, and there's definitely guys out there who have similar thoughts to you. Um, I think the reason that why a lot of us don't is because we don't have that confidence. We don't think that we can we can guess who will score or who will be healthy the whole year or for most of the year, and that's why you have all these people hyping up uh, Christian McCaffrey because you know it. Yes, the last two years were rough for him, but you just don't know. For us, you know. We're talking about statistically, it's just really hard to 
come to that conclusion and determine at points that they are a game a game amount that they would play, it's better to just bet on what you know they would do if they were playing. And that's why a lot of people will err towards that. Yes, I, I agree with 100% pretty much what Spence is saying there. It's pretty much, the, the short answer there is, it's pretty much impossible to predict who's going to get injured. Um, you know, obviously there are some things you can look to, you know, like actually like recovery time from injuries and, you know, like they tore their ACL or whatever. Like that's why I'd like, I don't like J.K. Dobbins this season, for example. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey is actually a pretty good uh, reason to look at guys that do like points per game, like Derrick Henry, for example, or uh, stuff like this. Or in Jonathan Taylor, too. I, I mean, Spence is a big Jonathan Taylor guy. But the reason I draft Christian McCaffrey over Jonathan Taylor is because if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, He's going to outscore Jonathan Taylor. Like, it's just not even really a question. I mean, obviously, there's, no, I there's a... I disagree with that, but you can go Okay, on. that that's fine. Um, I, I don't, because I feel like Jonathan... Jonathan Taylor had, last season had the weakest RB1 season since 2016. He's just... Hey. Not, he's an amazing player, Spence. I love Jonathan hey. Taylor. I'll draft him happily at number two. Let me finish. Relax. Let me Relax. finish. Let me finish. I love JT, but he is not the RB1 stud that he should be touted as right now, just because he's not as good as RB1s have been in the previous seasons. And, and that's why I feel like he's he shouldn't be the chalkiest of chalk one-on-one. And if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, he's going to outperform it. And if you take out the, the games where he got injured last season, when Christian McCaffrey was healthy for the full game, he's, he scored about, I think, 23 or 24 points per game in PPR. Uh, obviously, you know, that's a, sure, you can call it sampling bias or whatever. But the point is, when Christian McCaffrey's healthy, he's ha- by far the best running back in fantasy football in terms of scoring. And... And my research that I've done in his injuries using, you know, an analysis from doctors, they don't believe that his injuries are correlated, Christian McCaffrey's are, and that it's kind of just been a string of bad luck. Uh, so, like, having all that knowledge, I'm going to try to draft my draft the guy at 101 who I think that could win the league uh, if he's healthy. And I'm, that's why I take Christian McCaffrey over Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but, you know, that's a good example, right? You, you should just look at points per game because when they're healthy and on the field, um, it's a better indicator of who's actually better at fantasy football, or and yeah, and just in general, um, especially with running backs, because running backs, it's almost impossible to play a full season just because of how banged up they get. So, points per game is a really good indicator of who's actually good. So, looking at the points per game and looking at their injury history, then from there, I think you can point to something and say if it's indicative or not. Spence, go ahead though. Yeah. So, did, did you watch uh, any of the Polly's playoff? We we're just live like twenty minutes ago. Uh, no. Okay, well, anyway, so what I brought up is you like Ramon Rice St. Brown, right? Obviously. And in the last, what was it, the last seven or eight, seven, six, seven games of the season, he, like, popped off, right? Yeah, he went big time. Yeah, so you appreciate that no matter what, uh, even if it came at a random time, right? Like, would you have been like, oh, that's a dope, that's a dope stretch, uh, you know, if it was, like, week six to 15 instead of, you know, how it was at the end of the season. You would appreciate it either way, right? Yes, but I, don't, I really don't understand where you're going with this. Well, so you're talking about Jonathan Taylor had, like, the worst – had the worst RB1 in, like, the last six years, right? So – but you're looking at the whole season, right? You know, you're not you're not cutting it off how you did Amon Rice and Brown. I don't – I feel like it's different because Amon Rice and Brown didn't really get the chance to show what he had until the end of the year. And he's okay. a rookie, and rookies are different. I feel like that's a different thing. And I feel like, honestly, if you're going to cut out Jonathan Taylor's bad games, I feel like that's just sampling bias, if I'm being honest. Well, I'm not going to cut out the bad ones. I'm not going to pick, like, week 1, 7, and 12. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. But I'm saying that if you don't look at the first three games of the season, 
and see what they were trying to do with Carson Wentz, how their pass attempts were higher, and how they actually, even in week one, they threw the ball a ton to Jonathan Taylor, and then they went away from that because they didn't like it or how it worked. Like, would you not want to remove that from your sample because you watched 15 No, games? I, I actually wouldn't because – I feel Didn't like you, just you could watch say that fifteen games of him doing something totally different than the first. What did, three weeks? What did he average over the other fifteen games, Spence? Like twenty six. It was like twenty six points per game. Can you get the actual number for me, please, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, I have to do the math, but yeah, if, <laughs> but if, literally, if you don't mind. literally, I'll, I'll, I'll like, talk about it. I'll talk about why I, I don't. It was think above twenty five. It was above twenty five point five. I can tell okay. you that. All right. Well, I, I that's valid, and I appreciate that. And sure, maybe that does you know add a little bit more context. But I feel like you can say that for, you know, pretty much every running back in the NFL or every team in can the you? NFL. Like every, yeah, I think I – Name you know, one I, No, listen, listen, listen. I'm not – let me finish. I'm not saying that every running back or every team has a certain thing where you can point and be like, you know, they started off bad here or they had a bad stretch here and here's what X, Y, and Z. But I feel like, you know, it's just the human aspect of the game. And I feel like you have to leave that in because it's just the, it's just the nature of the beast of the NFL. Things are going to change. Weird oh, stuff is no, going to no, happen. No. And I feel yeah. like you have to leave that in the sample. And listen, when I when I talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, I do not project him by any means of what I saw down the stretch there. I look at the bigger picture. That's why he's like my wide receiver, I don't know, like 28 or 29 this year, uh, which is like above ADP. But, I mean, I'm not crazy bullish on him because I'm, I'm realistic in my expectations. And while I do saying... this expense, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor's a bad running back at all. He was my one-on-one for a really long time, and he's my 102 right now. Happily, I fucking love Jonathan Taylor. But I'm just saying I don't think he should be the chalkiest of chalk 101 because Derrick Henry outscored him in points per game last season. And I think Christian McCaffrey, if he was healthy, would have outscored him in points per game last season as well. Yeah, I'm not saying to take away those three games and not look at them. Because what actually what I said, I, even on the playoff, on the Polly's Playoff uh, podcast, was that that could happen this year. You don't know. Exactly, the, and that's what I'm trying to say. But But the reason why I think it's important, I'm not – taking random samples i'm not picking certain weeks or i'm not using an injury or anything like that is the reason i bring up what i'm bringing up which is something that i feel like you do appreciate is coaching and the way that teams or run their team the way that they decide who's going to play what snaps and stuff when you look at naheem hines playing a lot of the two two minute drills like that's something you know will probably be happening next year something that could happen this year is that Jonathan Taylor just takes off like he did last year, and they just hand him the rock a lot, and Matt Ryan is just playing a, a role in that offense that Jonathan Taylor is leading. Or they could, in the first few games, play it how they did last year with Carson Wentz, and they want Carson Wentz to be the guy, and they have the first three games where Jonathan Taylor is playing the sidekick role. That could happen. But the important weeks, but, but after they see the truth, they will go back to Jonathan Taylor, just how they did last year. So when – you take that into consideration, sure, the first few weeks might suck, but if you care about what fantasy points you're going to get down the stretch, especially in the playoffs and stuff, why would you not look at those points as more important than the ones at the beginning of the season? Like The I reason think... why Amon Ross St. Brown's hype lasted so long, even till now, is because it wasn't during an important stretch of the season. Do you not, do you not think that's true? Uh, no, I don't think that matters. Um, well, I think it's I think it matters more because it was the end of the season. I don't think it's, I don't think I'm it saying. matters because it was during playoff time. But I, I, I feel like you could say the same thing about Jonathan Taylor at the end of his rookie year, right? It just it's the good the good stretch through the end of the season is I think a better indicator of you know a random stretch to like week three to seven, and then he struggled for the rest of the year. I feel like that's a lot more indicative of future success. You know what I mean? 
Well, it was weeks. It was week four to like eighteen, but I go just saying. No, I'm saying for Amon Ross St. Brown. I feel like it doesn't matter when it happens because it oh, ended. No, no wait, I mean wait, it, wait, it wait, does wait, matter wait. when it happened. I'm trying to say it makes okay. more sense to me that it does matter when it happened because of two things. He was a rookie, first of all, and rookies, if they get better throughout the season, it's always a great sign. And the fact that he did it consistently for six weeks, every single week, back to back to back, extremely consistent, all the way until the end of the year is a really good sign for me. Just, you know, saying he got better. And once he got the opportunity, the team wanted to give him the ball a lot. Um, And then also, you know, it it matters more because it ended the year that way. Meaning we come away, you know, seeing the way he finished and be like, okay, wow. Uh, you know, he ended the season on an absolute tear. If he can keep that up heading into next season, then that's amazing. I, I'm saying it's more valuable than like a, a stretch from like week, I don't know, even like week 10 to 13 or like 8 to 13. And then he ended the season, you know, putting up like six, six, six points, 12 points, 13 points, whatever. I think like that's more important because it's more, I think it's better. It's a better indicator of long-term success in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I just don't understand how you don't see that for Jonathan Taylor. You say you're you're taking the full year sample of because it's different because it's different and how is it different? It's different because Jonathan Taylor was already the starter. He was already established. We already knew he was going to be. He wasn't a rookie. He was supposed to get the bell cow role from week one, and he did it. And he started off poorly. I feel like that's just a you know a very a a product of variability. I don't think that has anything to do. What do you mean, bro? He played fifty percent. He's played less than fifty percent snaps in the first three weeks, and then the quarter eighteen, he played more than that. So yeah, it's I mean, a totally different role that he had. Whether I mean, you he, thought he should have had that work hard role doesn't think matter. It's just variability? I think it's just variability. Well, how is it variability after 15 games? I would be with you if you. If it I mean, you. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about his snap percentages, and obviously they go up as the season goes on. But you mean like? No, no, you know, no. We, they didn't go up as the season went on. They stayed up. No, after they went. They four, went up. Um, th- this is a good thing I'm saying to here to you right here. They 55%, right. 45%, 48%, 51, 52, 65, 69, 74, 69, 84, 83, 71, 76, 98, 79, 71, 91. I'm just saying, I understand your point, right? I totally do. But at the I same time, I feel like I do. I you're understand discounting your point. It. No, you're, I, you're taking your I understand your point and I disagree with it. There's a difference. I understand what you're trying to say. I understand that you're trying to say, okay, listen, at the beginning of the year, they just didn't understand how to use Jonathan Taylor properly and get the full work out of him. And, you know, once they figured that out, that Carson Wentz wasn't it, and they, you know, let Jonathan Taylor have free reign, he was really good for fantasy football, and I understand that fully. But at the same time, I disagree with you in the sense of that I think that it's a good idea to do that for your process because I feel like that's just a bad idea. Because, like I just mentioned again, I feel like in the NFL, every single player – will have a stretch like that or a stretch of games like that across the course of the season where, you know, the, th- the team tries something different or the team does this, the team does that, and his things go up or down based on variability. And I feel like that's just variability. I don't know. And I, I, I understand that, it's, you know, it's the start of the season, weeks one through three, and I feel like, you know, you can craft a narrative based on that, but I just don't think that's hard enough of me to go off of and confidently say Jonathan Taylor was better than people think. Well, it's not – what do you mean? It's not trying to say he was. He just was. Because after week after no, week I one, understand, but I feel like you're crafting one, you a narrative saying, many. okay, they used him poorly. Once they figure out how to use him, and I agree, with the stats back that up, right? But at the same time, I feel like it's a bad idea to apply that logic across the board to multiple players because I don't feel like that's logic that should be sticky. Right. My main issue isn't that I'm saying you should be projecting Jonathan Taylor to have 26 points per game this year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're saying that he's had the worst RB one finish. In the past six, seven years or whatever, 
and you're using that as a reason to pick somebody Spence, else. Spence, just real quick for the record, I just want to say he only averaged 22.4 points per game over those other weeks without the week first three weeks on there, and that's still pretty – Week deep. four to 17? Yeah, I just, I just averaged it out. It's 22.42 based on In my PPR. In PPR. Yes. Yes. No, that's just wrong. I'm probably I, ju- I just calculated. I added them all up and divided it. Week right four now. to 17. I'll do it again real quick. Hang on. I'll put in the numbers one more time. Make sure I didn't mess it up. I might have put in the wrong number of games. Hang on. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games played in that time period. Uh, okay, 20. Let me count again. 24.4 points per game. Sorry, not 24 points. Sorry, not points per game. 20.4. 31, 9, 28, 8, 16, 21, 2, 33, 24.6, 53.4. I don't know what the hell they fed him that week. Jesus. Uh, 19.7, 23.3 by week, 23. 10.8, 18.4, and then 12.5. 337 points is the total over 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. 337 points divided by. Oh, sorry, wait one second. I fucked it up. 337 divided by. It's, oh my it's gosh. 25.3 for 337 divided 17. by 14. There you go, twenty four point oh seven. I guess I did mess up the calculations. My apologies, but still, I. I just said it was twenty five point three. I'm pretty sure he's right. He said it's twenty five point three. Week four to seventeen was twenty five point three, and week. But how are we getting different numbers? I just punched them all in. It's only thirteen games, not fourteen. Is it not from week four on? Because you have two, only three, you have four, seven, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I'm I'm counting week four at Miami, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got a buy in there. Yeah, I know, we, I'm not counting the buy. One, two, three, four. Are you counting week five, 18? Six, seven, eight. Yeah, I counted week 18. Why wouldn't I? He played 91% of snaps. Well, why would you count that? Because you know Cause nobody plays football. Because he played 91% football. of snaps. What do you mean? You know nobody's playing fantasy football in week 18. How is that? You can't just not include week 18 where you played 91% of snaps because it doesn't fit your narrative, Spence. Well, I'm not trying to do that. If you go talk to anybody, I know, but they're how, not going to include can week you, 18. I know, but how can you justify not including week 18? No, 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 no. I'm not doing it for me. I do that for every player, and I think most people I know, do. But, but I know, but if you're trying to craft a narrative based on, you know, he got better as the season goes on, if you include week 18 where he played the full week and they were playing hard, they were playing for their playoff life, and he put up a dud. I mean, I'm just saying, I feel like you should include that in your calculations. Why would I do? Why would I change that for just one player? Because you're changing the first three weeks for that same player. Right. And I could do that for every single player, though. I know, but would why still would you not do include that, week 18? Like, I understand. Listen, I understand. Listen, I understand. I totally understand if they didn't play in week 18 or they played less snaps than normal and not including that in your sample. But I feel like it's totally relevant to include that in your sample because he played a full start that week, correct? Yeah, he did. I'm not arguing that. I'm I know. Not so even how? To I mean, based I on what I just said there, I again, get what you're saying. If a, I know, but how, I why do you do disagree that. with that? Then I don't understand. Because I, I would never do that for anybody. I would never. I know, but why? That. The context matters, and that, I feel like that's a big piece of this, right? If he didn't play in week 18, or he played a reduced role, 
that I wouldn't include it at all. I would no, toss no, no. it immediately. The reason but he did. He played a huge role. So how do you just not include that in your sample? No, no, no. So I get what you're saying. But the reason is that we don't know if he will or not this year. Like, if you were going – like, because we're using – How is that relevant? Future. How well, is no, that no, no, relevant? What do you mean? You're trying because to tell there... me that – you're talking about last year's performances. And if you do not include Week 18, he's up to 25 or whatever. No, no, no. Uh, you're using you last – Week 18 – He's down to You're using last year's to project next year's, right? So why would you include yes. a game where you don't know if he will play it next year? Because I think that's irrelevant. I'm I'm looking at how good he was last year for fantasy football. So if there's a game where he played a full game of NFL football and I can get fantasy points from that game, you it can't. Be included in the you can't fantasy points why? from that game. Why not? He because played a nobody full plays. Start. Nobody has a Week 18 championship, bro. That's why. Why does that matter to me? And looking at how good he was for NFL, you know, in fantasy production last year, I don't. I because know what. No, I know nobody that. plays fantasy football. Listen, I know nobody plays fantasy football in week eighteen. I know that usually you don't include week eighteen because things are different. But for Jonathan Taylor, last year in week eighteen, he played a full workload, ninety-one percent of snaps, and put up a bad game for fantasy football by Jonathan Taylor standards. I feel like that should be included in his sample. And I would do that for any player where if I look at the foot, the bigger picture and saw he included in a big Week 18 game. If he played a full workload and played in a full game in Week 18, I feel like it should count towards the points per game sample. And I don't understand how you don't think that. Because nobody does that. Nobody does that. Why? If, if anybody did that, then I would be like, okay, I get what you're saying. Like, I didn't I, I didn't even again, again, I oblit Week if 18. He didn't, I didn't do that. If you that want to toss out Week 18 normally. for every player – I understand that's part of your process, and I feel like you should in general. But for Jonathan Taylor, he played a full role in Week 18. So why should I not pay attention to those points? I'm not. Tell me why I should just ignore that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying well, you, you think are, I'm being, what, you're no, no, I should no, not what, use them in his sample, bro. What you think is that I'm being malicious? I didn't even look at Week 18 until we started talking about this. I said Week 4 to 17 because that's the norm. If you want to include Week 18, go ahead. But that's just not something that I would ever do. And I don't think that's a lot of things that most people would do. And okay, I'm not telling okay, you you don't have fine. to. But that's and I understand that. I I'm not going to keep harping on that because I understand what you're saying 100%. I just feel like it's relevant to the conversation is all I'm trying to say. That's that's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, you're fine. You're fine having your own choices on it. I'm just saying that you. it sounds like you think I'm purposefully oblitting that game, which I'm not. It was just me saying week four to 17 because I knew the first three games were the problem. I didn't even know the score of the Week 18 game. You know what no, I mean? No, I understand Off the top that. of my head. I, I don't know. I don't know, Spence. I, I totally understand what you're trying to say and the point you're trying to make. And I, I love Jonathan Taylor. And I understand the three-game thing to start the year in terms of, you know, just a human perspective. You know, he had a he had a rough go about it with the new offensive coordinator situation with, you know, Matt Ryan and everything. Or, sorry, the new, just, you know, new offense with Matt Ryan. Not Matt Ryan, sorry, Carson Wentz and figuring out the offense for the Colts last season. But I just don't think it's good process to just toss those out because I feel like every player has those kind of situations every year. You know what I mean? No, yeah. And I'm not for narrative-based reasonings. So I'm why just, are you doing it then is my because, question. Because it's – because what I don't think you um, acknowledge is that it is so similar to Amon Ross St. Brown. Whether you want to say Amon Ross St. Brown was a rookie not, wide though. receiver is different than running back. Like, you can do all that. But this is the narrative you're doing – you're spinning your web about Amon Ryan Brown however you want. I'm not here to judge you on that. I'm just saying it is very similar. How you am talk I spinning about, a web about Amon Ryan Brown? My take on Amon Ryan Brown, Spence. Do you know my stance on Amon Ryan Brown? Like, actually? What do you mean? You just told me you have him as a top 30 wide receiver. That's consensus. 
you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying. I know, but why are you so anti? I mean, that's consensus, and you're making it seem like I'm some guy who's parading through the streets as some monster. I'm not. No, 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 no. no. My take on I'm Amon just... St. Brown, let me finish. My take on Amon St. Brown is that he finally got the opportunity to show himself last season. How is that not that he... Okay, wait, stop right there. Those words right there. He got the opportunity okay. to show himself. Yes. What the fuck happened from week four to 18 or 17, whatever you want to call it? What, what happened? What's, what's different from what Jonathan Taylor was lacking compared to what he had after he got the opportunities? What's, what changed other than, than they're running back and a wide receiver or a rookie versus a sophomore? Both of them got an opportunity and then they took advantage of it. And it, and it lasted for the rest Jonathan of the Taylor season. wasn't a rookie. Who cares about that, bro? That's just another piece of whatever narrative you want to tell. It's not narrative to say a rookie wide receiver can get better as the season goes on. That's not crazy. A sophomore wide receiver can get better as the season goes on. A sophomore running back gets better as the season goes on. What is the difference? I understand what your point is. I really do. I just I'm trying to say my take on Amon St. Brown is the team gave him the opportunity because Jonathan Taylor sorry not Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson got injured. And when he was fed the big opportunity, he looked great and he we made the most of it. And, you know, a lot of players, when they get a big opportunity, don't do anything with it. Like Marquez Callaway with the Saints last year, he did absolutely nothing with huge opportunity all year long in this passing game. And the reason I like Amon St. Brown so much is because he showed unreal levels of production consistently when giving big opportunity. And, I, and for me, that's an indication of talent. I honestly could care less about the numbers he put up, Spence. What I saw on the field from him and on the consistency of what he did when he was given the opportunity, showed me that I think that he has star player potential, and that's why I like him so much. And Jonathan Taylor is an absolute monster, and he's my RB two. I'm just trying to argue with you because I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's good process to ignore certain games. I'm not ignoring the season sample. You are. You're throwing no, no, out the no, first no. three weeks of the season. No. Okay. What you're doing is you're taking Amon Ross Brown's early season and his later season, and then combining them to come to a projection, right? And then what I'm saying is you should do the same thing for Jonathan Taylor. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying you should look at those three games as something different than what the later games were and come to a middle ground of that projection. Because my issue is you keep saying he's the worst RB1 in five, six years. Sure, he might have been on paper what you're talking about. But if you just combine those projections, if you take a little bit from the first three games as the whole sample, or if you take the later games and use those as your whole thought process, you're going to see that he still has that potential to be RB1, regardless of if someone else is healthy or he not. He absolutely still has potential to be RB1. That's not what I'm trying to say. I What I'm trying to say is I feel like if you go through other RB1s from past years or RB2s from past years in points per game or RB3s from past years in points per game, I feel like there's a lot of different guys who probably have similar stories, and that's what I'm trying to say. That's why I don't necessarily agree with the process because I just don't think – I feel like you can make that case for a lot of different players, if that makes no, sense. That's yeah, all no, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. My issue is I just feel like you weren't – like like if you're talking about like a year where Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook and, and Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, they're going head-to-head and head. Like they could all – if one of them missed the game or if one of them had a bad game, those points per games would have been shifted and the RB1 would have been totally different. I totally agree with that. That's what I'm saying about Jonathan Taylor. You keep saying CMC healthy beats Jonathan Taylor healthy every time – no matter what, that's just not true to me because you're taking Christian McCaffrey's ceiling and then you're taking Jonathan Taylor's floor. By what, when I say his floor, I'm talking about that 21 points per game that you're talking about that he, that he had if you include those first three games. 
because that's not so, that's not his ceiling. Just to, just to look, I'm not trying to throw shit on you because I bet these numbers are actually going to be pretty good. But I'm just trying to compare past seasons to his finish last year. So if you okay, if you take out what was it week 18 you want to remove from the sample and the first three weeks, what was it 25 points per game? That's what the guy said. I didn't run the numbers. He said 25.3. Right. We'll we'll roll with that number. I trust him. Okay, let's go with PPR. Uh, I'm I'm actually curious in these numbers. I'm just want to look. Um, okay, running backs. Points per game. 25.3 for four to seventeen. Okay. So if you throw out, if you throw out all this, if you throw out the last really three, weeks, if you throw out the first three weeks of the season and throw out week eighteen, Jonathan Taylor, he would have been the RB one by 0.8 points in twenty twenty one over Derrick Henry, who had twenty four point two. Uh, in twenty twenty, in points per game. Sorry, it didn't update. One second. In twenty twenty, in points per game, he would have. Well, sorry, what was the actual number? Point three. 25.3. 25.3. In 2020, he would have been the RB1 over Alvin Kamara by 0.1 points. In 2019, he would have been, in points per game, the RB2 behind Christian McCaffrey by 4.2 points with 29.5. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, in 2018, in PPR, he would have been the RB2 behind Todd Gurley. By 1.4 points. In 2017, he would have been the RB2 behind Todd Gurley with uh, by 0.4 points. And in 2016, I'm pretty sure this is the year that was really weak. Oh, actually, no, it's the year before, it's the year after that. He would have been the RB3 this year behind David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. And then in 2015... He would have been clearly the RB one here. This this year was so bad. The RB two was sixteen point three points. Isn't that insane? Twenty one point one in that year from Devonta Freeman was the RB one. My point That's being crazy. is, if you still extrapolate the best case scenario from Jonathan Taylor, he's whoa, still whoa, whoa, not whoa. the RB one overall in some in like half of the last like five years. But still, that's see, you're, that's still your problem. You keep saying, even if you the, even with us taking the, the week four to seventeen, that's still not the ceiling. That's just what he. That was what he did. That's not a what a, a player does in their sophomore year is not their ceiling. That was him living up to his potential, but your his ceiling could still be higher. You can't say that he couldn't score more points this year. You know what I mean? Like that's just that's just unrealistic to say that a a, a third year player can't score more than he did the last year. I understand what you're saying for sure. I just. I just have problems with the process of how you got there. And my, my point I was trying to make with looking at the projections there and points per game, Spence, and I listen, I r- respect the fuck out of you of an analyst, and I hope you know that, and I'm not trying to shit on you at all here, my brother. I fucking love you. Um, I just don't think the process is sound of throwing out games. Like, for example, Derrick Henry this season to start the year. In week one, he put up 10.7 points per game. Then he put up 47, 19, 25, 31, 35, 16. And then the week after, he put up 5.8 because he got injured. And if you include all of those games, he still put up 24 or whatever points. It was the RB1 in points per game this season. Uh, but if you throw out the first game and the last game when he got injured and when he started off the season slow, I bet his number was a lot higher. Do you understand the point I'm trying to make here? If you extrapolate numbers and look at the narrative and toss out games you don't like, your numbers are going to get higher and the players are going to look a lot better. You can make that case with a lot of different guys. So I do, I do get what you're saying, but like just, ask, just answer what changed for Derrick Henry. Like, what changed for Derrick Henry at all? Well, like it looks Corey like Davis in week left? one, a similar thing happened with him and Jonathan Taylor. You know, his snap percentages was lower, his carry numbers were lower, and then as the, as the season went on, he got more and he started out. That's the exact point I was trying to make for you with the whole Jonathan Taylor thing. 
I feel like a lot of different guys have a similar problem where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, week one comes around, week two, and then as the season goes on, they understand how to use the player more. I feel like that's just variation, and that's what I was trying to tell you earlier. Sure, but why is it three weeks in a row of variation? And back to Derrick Henry, though. Back to Derrick Henry. What changed for Derrick Henry? I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't remember what happened for the Titans in week one, but his snap shares, his snap percentage went up from 63 to 76 the next week. His rush attempts went up from 17 to 35 in the next week. It looks like he just had a low, low snap percentage game compared to the rest of the season and a low work game. Maybe it was a negative game script where they got behind really. I don't know, but I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make the point of, I feel like this is just natural variance that we're observing here. And I feel like it's a mistake to throw those games out to make their numbers look better. Cause once they get on a roll and once the season starts and the team starts using them correctly, they do what they do. And listen, I totally understand why you're doing that because you know, it's a, it's a solid narrative. It really is. And I'm not trying to downplay that because I understand your point and I agree with it actually. But what I'm trying to say is I don't feel like it's good process to toss out games. And then from there say, you know, you know, Hey, they start off the season slow. And if you toss out the game where they get injured, and if you toss out week 18, you know, his points go up a lot. And listen, I totally get wait, it. Wait, right? wait, wait, I wait, totally get wait. it. Wait, so wait, wait. Are you saying you want it? You, you're not going to throw, like, I would 100% throw out the game that Derrick Henry got injured. Yeah, of course. But okay. I'm saying if you look at his points per game right now, where it was like 24 points and he was the RB1 this season, that game's still included in his total. And what I'm trying to say is the point you were trying to make with Jonathan Taylor by tossing out week 18 and weeks one through three, that's not. Uh, uh, aside from no, the, no, 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 but that's the issue. The, you keep saying toss them out. I'm not saying toss them out. I'm just saying look at the whole picture. I'm not saying to just look at the 25.3 well, and say, What oh, I'm trying what to say is. is I feel like you can say a similar thing for if I were a Derrick Henry believer and I wanted to throw away week one for the similar reasons why you're throwing away weeks one through three for Jonathan Taylor, I feel like honestly, you, honestly yeah. if someone came up with, with the narrative that made sense to why they did that, I would be with it. I don't see why you wouldn't. I, don't I know, understand. but I feel like on a, on a points-per-game basis over the entire year, it's bad process to remove those because it's natural variance for any player in the NFL to project moving forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? To project yeah, moving why, forward, it's, I think it's a bad idea to do that. That's not. That's why we're not just taking random games. You're not taking week five, or you're not taking week seven against the Chiefs where he only had 16 points just for exactly. nothing. Exactly. No, exactly. You're, I, you're I, agree. I, I agree with what you're saying. I know what, I know why you're taking them out. And I'm trying to say I could do the same thing for Derrick Henry and make his points per game go way up. You know what 100%. I mean? I just think it's a bad no, idea in general to look at weeks and say, hey, if you ignore this portion where the team was being stupid, he's a lot better. And I understand why you're doing that because it's common sense to say, you know, the team figured out their shit. And once they figured out their shit, he got better. But I'm saying I feel like that can happen to any player at any time for no particular reason. And I feel like it's a bad idea to toss those out because it could happen again. That's what so I'm why to. don't you do it for every player? If it can happen for any player, because I feel like it's bad process. Because I feel like if it's built in, you know, hey, uh, you know, I feel like it's just a good thing to have that built-in variance of down games and see what the player truly shakes out on the as, on the full season. You know what I mean? I feel like that's what I want to see more. I want to see what the full season picture looks like, regardless of what this coaching staff is doing, because. Their coaching staff's going to do dumb shit for every player in the NFL, and something's going to piss you off on any given week. It's just going to happen. It's just the way the NFL works. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I just don't think it's a good idea to cut stuff out to fit a narrative. To a degree, though, is there, like, going by PPR rather than the full season, you're, you're doing that to an extent. Like, not to fit the narrative, but, like, the, the narrative points per, is... Points per game, you know, is that what you're trying to say? You said PPR. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. I, and, and, I mean, the original point, which is, 
an excellent one is you can't project who's going to get injured, but there are trends, right? If you're telling me to pick between Dalvin cook and Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin cook looks better on paper by a points per game, but he's played 69% of his career games, whereas Zeke's only missed one game in his career other than being suspended or sitting week 17 or something. So it's like, even though I know Dalvin cook's going to give me more points per game, I'm also fairly positive Zeke's going to finish higher than Dalvin Cook because he's going to get two or three extra games in there. And so, you don't even actually know that because Dalvin Cook only had 16 points per game last year. Ezekiel Elliott could easily outscore that. Well, yeah. But right. like, that's what I'm saying. Is, I want to – Formula, I want to say I totally understand your point, and I feel like there's, there's two points to this process. It's not one thing or the other. It's not overall scoring or PPR, uh, sorry, points per game or looking at the injuries and seeing who's going to be healthy or, or et cetera. It's looking at the big picture, right? You're, you want to look at points per game, and you want to look at their injury history. And if the injury history concerns you, I have no problem with taking a guy who you feel is safer, who's, is safer and is going to be healthy and be on the field for you for an overall finish basis. It all depends on your process, and that's totally fine. I just For me, the way I like to do things is weigh points per game and weigh injury concerns, combine the two, and see where we land. And then from there, I can tell you if I think the guy's injury history is worth the risk, if I think the health is worth the risk, and I feel like it does, and the points per game are good enough for me to take that risk to the, where the point if he stays healthy, he's going to crush, I feel like that's worth it to me. So, so Luke, what do you think the ceiling is for Christian McCaffrey this year? Like 30 points per game? Uh, no, I, feel, I mean, I, I mean, are, I mean, just Not- for a fair argument's sake, I mean, I would say... Yes, because we've seen him hit that before. Because yeah. that, that is within his range of outcomes. That is absolute ceiling. But do I expect that for him this season? No. I know it's outlandish. And I expect him to score. like at. I mean, just to be honest with you, Spence. I mean, I feel like if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, I, I don't really I, – I wouldn't say I don't see him doing it because I feel like to say his floor is as high as ridiculous. But I feel like predicting Christian McCaffrey moving forward, I would, I would be happy – I would not be happy with less than 24 points per game. Oh, interesting. Well, no, the reason I, I'm just asking for the ceiling. I just feel like if Christian I feel McCaffrey like the ceiling, is at his best, he's to, his, absolute, his absolute ceiling, to be honest with you, is like 30 points per game. Do I yeah. think he's going to hit that? No. I project him somewhere in between, you know, 26 to 28 most likely um, if he's healthy, right? But yeah. I do think at his absolute ceiling, he's capable of putting up 30. You know what I mean? I totally and I think agree. Jonathan Taylor's capable of putting up 32. I you know totally what I mean? I disagree. <laughs> Why? It's just not possible. He'll he never it, get that many. He he'll it. never. He'll just never get that many targets. It's not. It's Why? not feasible. He did it. He didn't do it. What do you mean? He put up. Did he not put up like twenty nine point eight points per game? J- Jonathan yeah. Taylor and no Christian McCaffrey. No Christian McCaffrey is going to put up. No 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 no. I'm oh, agreeing. Jonathan with you, Taylor. I'm saying. I'm saying Christian McCaffrey could about put up thirty easily, and Jonathan Taylor could never do that. So why Jonathan are you t- taking Jonathan Taylor over Christian McCaffrey then? Because Jonathan Taylor could easily put up. 26 and with Christian McCaffrey yes he could put up 30 but I don't trust that when you talk about the injury I don't trust that at all okay so you just don't you don't trust the injuries and I totally that's a valid point but if if you think that Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor are both healthy for the entire year do you think McCaffrey outscores him uh it would be closer than I think a lot of people would think but he probably would yeah yeah I understand I, I would implore you, Spence, to – I mean, I don't know if you've done a lot of research into his injuries, but I've read a few articles from a few different – You know, I know. Now, I know most of them are unrelated, and they're not they're not yeah. longstanding. I already know that. We've known that. 
Like, yeah, they're uncorrelated I, injuries, and they, they they don't think that he's injury prone, and that's what makes I, him feel happy. About yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Tyler is my guy for injury stuff because he just consumes the knowledge and he spits it out. So like, I just listen to Tyler for most of that, and he's usually pretty right. And you know, Saquon Barkley is a guy who also has a lot of injuries going on. Who knows what's going to happen? But I love but, Saquon. Just real quick, Spence. I like Saquon a lot this year because last year he wasn't fully healthy after coming off his injury. Now, uh, again, based off medical research that I've seen from doctors, I'm not a doctor by any means. Um, they feel pretty confident that he's going to be healthy this season as well. So I like Saquon too. No, yeah, I like I like Saquon more than I do Chris McCaffrey, just because I, like we already witnessed Saquon do it longer. Like my man Saquon was just healthier longer. Even if he was slightly worse, less efficiency, efficiency comes and goes. That's what I tip, put variance into account. You know what I mean? Like if you Where have 3.5 yards. Do you have ranking, Spence? Do you have Christian McCaffrey ranked? No, I'm not an analyst anymore. Okay. Uh, if you had this off the top, like is Christian McCaffrey your 102 or no? Uh, In redraft, sorry? Yeah, in redraft, sorry. I'll, I'm all talking about redraft here, my bad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. I would hate it. I would hate okay. it though. But yeah, probably. I mean, listen, I totally understand the injury Jefferson. concerns of Christian McCaffrey, but for me, I feel like it's just doing myself a disservice if I'm going to settle for a guy who I feel like is safer for when, if the guys are both healthy, I feel like Christian McCaffrey's ceiling could be like four points per game higher. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if Christian McCaffrey is playing at his ceiling and Jonathan Taylor is playing at his ceiling, Christian McCaffrey could outscore him by like three points per game at both of their absolute ceilings. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like, I feel like it's just doing a disservice to myself if I don't take the guy who could be in a tier of his own. You know what I mean? I, so I agree with that, but I also think that you could win. You could still the, – the issue that I have with that mentality is that, yes, you'll miss out on those three points per game, but you could still win with Jonathan Taylor against Christian McCaffrey in the championship. So sure, it's like, yo, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I totally understand. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's just, it's just like – Yes, I could care about this three points per game, or I could just focus on getting a well-rounded draft. I mean, you can do that with Chris McCaffrey too, but like I already said, you know, if you don't believe in the injuries or if you don't trust in the injuries not recurring or whatever, now you're going to miss out on 25 points per game over three, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. I totally understand. And listen, like, guys, I, I just want to say, like, I totally understand the injury concerns of the Christian McCaffrey. Um, he was my 102 for a, up until, like, a week ago. Uh, but I honestly just sat down and did some research from a few different, you know, medical publications. And from what I read, the results were overwhelmingly the takeaway for me was that they do not believe that he is injury prone and that these injuries are not correlated and that they project him to be healthy entering the season. And that's all I needed to say, hey, let's ride Broncos yes, country. Yeah. Let's ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not saying they're correlated and I'm not saying they're related and I'm not saying that they will return. But when you talk about when you, I mean, you've already looked at the numbers, you know, Adam Harstead and other people that are smarter than me and you have already run these numbers about how many snaps can you get? How many carries can you get and how old can you get before you break apart? We don't know. Chris McCaffrey could just be there. You know what I mean? Right. It's possible he's not. But whether they're related or not, maybe they're I just say, a injury that services. That I honestly kind of view his. Tell me if this is crazy, but. I honestly kind of view his injuries as kind of a blessing in the terms of his age with the sense that I think no, listen, I listen, obviously getting injured and getting older is a bad thing, but I feel like in terms of his body taking less hits and staying fresher still is a good thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it could be, 
And then some people even have the narrative that my man is just playing through, like he's purposefully allowing the injuries to take more time to recover because he knows he's playing with Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or whatever. That could be a thing. I don't believe that. You know, just when I remember when I remember in 2018 and 2019, when my man came to uh, Earth or 20, yeah, 2018, 2019, when he became like who he was, I remember seeing the YouTube clips and stuff of him just preaching about how much he loved football and everything. It was crazy. So that's a narrative I can't get behind. So I really think it is just like real life, like injuries happened and he wasn't able to play through them or he would have. So that's one of the narratives that goes out the window for me personally. I don't know if you've heard anything about that or if you believe that. Like how Allen Robinson kind of did, or not Allen Robinson, uh, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just don't don't really think it's anything like that. I feel like it's more just, you know, the organization knows they have a bad football team, so they're not going to rush the star player back from injury and let him take him time and shut him down for the season for the long-term health of his career. I think think that's not crazy. The team could have played a part in it. That's that's a fair point. But I just don't know if, just based on the clips I've seen of, of the guy, you know, and how he talks and the way he interacts with with fans and everything. Like, I just don't think there's a world where he would purposefully not play, like just to either not get injured in that season going forward or to not because he didn't care if they won or not because he didn't think they would. I feel like he's the kind of guy that would just go out. If he could go out, he would go out every game and, and try to win. You know what I mean? And, yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like every NFL player is like that for the most part, you know? And I honestly, just to be honest, with you, I think the organization did play a huge role in shutting him down. Just to be honest, that's, I that's, actually in one of my problem. in one of the articles I read about Christian McCaffrey, they said that their like panel of doctors was really surprised when he was put on the IR for the rest of the season. Wait, who said that? His his doctors? Oh, no, no, sorry. I, an article I read about Christian McCaffrey's health, like they were surprised that with his injury that they he was put on IR for the rest of the season, and he like like he they basically said that they thought that he could have came back. If he like needed to, you know what I mean. But they yeah. shut him down just for more precautionary reasons. Well, and that's the thing that I don't get too is that I feel like a lot of his injuries are mysterious. Like you know what I mean. Like you hear about an ACL or an MCL or a um, league Lou Gehrig's or or whatever the one that J.K. Dobbins had. Or, I mean, not J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Liz Frank. Yeah, Liz Frank. Like you hear about those specific injuries, you know what they are. There's different levels to them, and you're never going to know the exact level, even if they tell you. You know, what I mean, you're not a doctor, you're not reading the actual. Um, images and stuff but with his with McCaffrey's injuries I felt like they were so like vague it was just like shoulder or ankle you know what I mean like it was very vague yeah it, it is vague but you know I it, it, it's tough with McCaffrey sometimes with the injury analysis but you know I, I'm just gonna trust the doctors that I, I looked into the research and ride the Chris McCaffrey train but you know honestly I just want to take away from this conversation. There's nothing wrong if you have Jonathan Taylor as your one-on-one. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, he's a total stud, and he's going to be great this season. And there's absolutely nothing wrong if you have Christian McCaffrey as your one-on-one, or even like Cooper Cup as your one-on-one, or Justin Jefferson as your one-on-one. Whatever you think, there's a really, really high-end tier this season for fantasy, and I think that they're going to make a lot of people happy this year. So I went in on that. Also, Spence is a hell of an analyst. Shout out to him for challenging me. And you know, Iron Sharpens <laughs> Iron Sharpens are, and I love this man. And wait, you're going to be at the you're going to be at the expo, right, Spence? No, unfortunately not. Oh, it sucks, bro. Well, I would. I already saw you in person, but I would love to see you again sometime soon, bro. Yeah, for sure. Come to Vegas. What do you mean? <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I will at some point, obviously. It'll be fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Fantasy Football Radio Hour that was meant to be a half hour, but Spence came on and we had a really good debate. So hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to this. I know I didn't get too much uh, as many questions tonight, but 
I really appreciate you guys, everyone, uh, tuning in, listening, and hopefully you took away something in, uh, interesting from this convo. Thank you guys so much, and thank you again, Spencer, for coming on and talking, guys. I'll see you guys uh, again sometime soon.